Welcome to the TappingSolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit thetappingsolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. Hi there. In today's podcast, we have a fantastic clip from my sister Jessica's Hay House radio show. I hope you enjoy the clip. I am extra excited because I have a special guest who is a dear friend of mine, but before she became my friend, I was a complete fangirl. I just love her work. And today is going to be a really fascinating conversation. So to start today's show, I wanted to read a short excerpt from Tara Stiles' newest book called Make Your Own Rules Diet. This is something that really struck me and I think is a great place to start. So she writes in her book, whether the expectations, pressures, and judgments come from someone else or from within we too often feel bad about ourselves and begin to shut down. We start life full of zest, inspiration, and big open ideas about what we would like to do and experience. But along the way, we find ways to block ourselves from our dreams and desires. We build walls, form bubbles, and make rules that hold us back from living healthy, happy, and radiant lives. All the frustration, pain, and guilt that come along with trying to live in a predetermined manner lead to an unhealthy life. We get tense. We get scared. We run out of room to breathe, feel, and think and be ourselves. So this next hour is dedicated to remembering, to learning how to breathe, how to feel, and how to think for ourselves. And this is what makes Tara's latest book so different. This is why I have someone on the show that has a book that is called, you know, it's a diet book, but it's so much more than that. Because as you know, I'm not a fan of diets. I'm not a fan of rules, which is why I'm so in love with Tara Styles. Tara, thanks for being with us. Oop, is Tara there? I'm here. Yeah. Thank oh, you so much hey. For having me. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> So, Tara, you know, I, I'm so touched by your book. And one of the things that I, I teach in my own work is, is to teach others how to begin to listen to themselves. And for many, this is really difficult. And I know a lot of times we tend to uh, teach what we struggled with. You know, you, there's that famous saying, your mess is your message. And mm -hmm. so because I struggled with listening to my own body and with body confidence and with weight loss, I ended up writing a book about it after I <laughs> kind of discovered my own way. And so you here are presenting this amazing solution, this amazing book, but I want to back up a little bit, learn more about you and the journey that led you to this point, the struggles that you had when it came to being able to feel like you had room to breathe, feel, and, and think for yourself, to trust yourself as an expert. Sure. Well, um, I mean, yeah, I think like a lot of young people, when I was a little kid, I felt really spacious and connected. I grew up in the country with a lot of land around. So I just, you know, possibilities were endless and I felt really free and creative and, and, you know, just physically vibrant and all of that. And, um, you know, I was really active and, and just into movement and my body. And, and I didn't really have any fears or worries about, you know, who I was in the world or, you know, what was going to happen next or, you know, rules didn't really seem um, to be a problem for me. And then uh, around middle school and high school, I started to get more serious about dance and I was in a, a dance conservatory. And again, I didn't have a lot of um, a lot of the common pressures with dance. I was really enjoying it. I thought it was really, you know, fun and exciting and enjoyed my body and enjoyed, you know, just working in a physical way. And something happened in the dance school that I became really embarrassed and ashamed about. It was um, 
uh, a night uh, a dorm room party and a, and a sexual assault happened to me and it was it was so embarrassing and shameful that I didn't tell anybody about it for a long time and then, and so over the years I just you know told talked to my friends and you know immediate family about it but um, um, <clears throat> it was something I wanted to put behind me in my past and sort of move on and you know shove under the rug and you know get on with my life and get on with my goals. And uh, through that occurrence, I, I noticed that I was starting to pick up behaviors of of a lot of control and a lot of rule-based living just for myself that I was really doing um, subconsciously and, you know, without thinking a whole lot about what I was doing, but I was doing all of these things because I didn't want to feel and I didn't want to be connected to myself and who I was. So, you know, I started a, a very regimented daily life for myself that, you know, that didn't look anything like my life before this. And it wasn't until, you know, several months later that, you know, my body was totally different and shrunk. You know, I was, you know, just eating gummy bears and diet sodas and running and just anything to sort of get out of my own body. And um, uh, my mentor is my ballet teacher at the time really came up to me and he said, you know, Tara, I don't know what you're doing to yourself, but you really need to stop and take care of yourself. And, and he really, um, sort of uh, reminded me of my value in the world and reminded me of that that person that I was connected to before that I had completely lost. And it really wasn't until that moment that I took a look at what I was actually doing and became more conscious about, you know, those habits and all of those rules that I was, you know, unconsciously forming around myself that was wrecking my life essentially and wrecking my connection to joy and feeling good and, and all the things that I loved and my passion. So then I really started to you know, dive a lot more into self-care. I was already doing yoga, but wasn't thinking about it as a healing practice, more of a, you know, a meditative practice or another rule that I was putting on myself to, you know, practice yoga every day. So it really, you know, sort of flipped that around and became a lot more about the process of healing and feeling good and connected and, um, you know, rediscovering what it feels like to, to desire to feel good about myself again. Right. You make a really important point about the power of intentions. You're saying that you were doing yoga from the outside. Someone might say, oh, well, she is taking care of herself, but it was coming from a place of, you know, I'm guessing wanting to get physically fit or just out of your body. It wasn't with the intention of I'm doing this to take care of myself. So do you feel like the intention we have when we show up to any type of practice, whether it's on the yoga mat or in the kitchen, do you think that makes a big difference? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, all of us being friends with, uh, you know, people who research this stuff, I'm, I can just feel it. We all can feel it on a, on a cellular and an emotional level of the difference of wanting to do something like yoga or go for a run because we really enjoy it and we want to connect with ourselves and spend that time, you know, with ourselves checking in. And then those days when we want to go to a class or go for a run when we feel like we just want to, you know, zone out and get out of our bodies and, and seeing where that can, you know, that can lead if we keep, you know, on that path of disconnection. And the same thing with food, you know, it's, you can be eating the same plate of, um, you know, healthy veggies and, and be really annoyed and frustrated with yourself that you have to be, you know, eating this according to your own rules, or you can be eating that same, you know, plate of food and say, wow, this is really nourishing and, and I'm taking care of myself. And, you know, and I think that the science will, you know, probably come out in the next, you know, several months that just shows that, you know, how your body reacts and how your whole system reacts is a lot more based on how we feel than, than what we're necessarily doing. Yeah, I, I, it's such an important point, something that I often write a lot about, that when we are looking at our food and we're eating our food, we shouldn't just be focusing on the ingredients, but also the emotions that we put on that plate. And if we put shame and guilt on that plate, then it doesn't matter if we're just eating kale, it's not going to be good for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, so it can be so stressful to be healthy and so rule-based to be healthy and, and restrictive. And, you know, I, I, I never wanted to to write another book about, you know, this is the diet you should be on, <laughs> you know, this is definitely mm-hmm. the, the, the long lasting, um, you know, plan of, of coming back and, and connecting with ourselves. And from that place, then, you know, you can obviously, you know, desire to, to consume things that are more healthy for you, but, but also desire to really take care and, and pay attention to how you're feeling when you're going through that process of, you know, becoming more healthy and radiant and, and all that good stuff. Right. What I love about your book is when someone reads a book that has the word diet in it, they tend to think of rules and they tend to think of simply information about food. And before you even go into the food, you talk about going into the body. Can you talk about the correlation you find between, you know, the yoga mat and the kitchen? 
Sure. You know, I think especially with um, with regular practice, I mean, one of the great things that I always loved about practicing yoga is how it can really make you sensitized to how you feel. So it's, it's a practice where it's all about you paying attention to you the entire time. And, you know, if you can really allow yourself that space to notice how you feel and go with that and, you know, kind of dive into, oh, something's happening over here. I feel a little tweaky here. Wow, that emotion comes up when I do this movement. And, you know, sort of acknowledge that from a place where it doesn't start to, you know, drive you crazy in this washing machine of emotions, but just, you know, noticing and reflecting and just being okay with that. It really is this powerful practice of getting you really in tune with with your entire body's needs, your emotional needs and your mental needs and your spiritual needs. And it's, it's just one of those, um, you know, places where we can always come back to as a process to check in physically and then also check in mentally and emotionally and, and really sort of understand how it all ties together. I mean, a lot of people come out of a yoga class and they feel amazing and, you know, they may tell you that they just feel great, but there's all these cool things that are happening and, you know, they feel more connected, they feel more inspired, more creative. And, um, you know, it's different for everybody. I think that's what's great about a yoga practice is you can tailor it to, you know, your own personal needs and goals. And it can be something really simple you do in the morning or before bed. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, something as hardcore as an hour in the studio every single day, really, you know, right. for, for a physical workout. But um, it can be just for the for your emotional to kind of get your get your body moving and, and feeling good. Totally. And I know that you have, for anyone that buys your book, you also um, have all these just great gifts. And one of them is a, a morning uh, yoga, which is so great, which is a, a shorter one, which I, I think it's nice when we begin to also realize that physical movement doesn't have to be this painful experience forcing ourselves. I mean, it's bringing us right back to that mentality of rules that, you know, physical activity has to be structured around these certain rules or else it's not valid or else it's not worthy. And what we're seeing here are just even soft movements getting in our body is so powerful on every level. And I love in the book, you say meditation doesn't have to be separate from movement, that you can have a you know, a meditation, a meditative practice while you're moving. Yeah, that's so, I think, really powerful for, for people just to get on your mat and notice that, um, you know, if you're allowing yourself to pay attention to how you feel in every moment when you are moving your body, you know, you stop worrying about what the pose looks like. You stop worrying about, oh, what version can I do today? Or am I am I doing well or am I not doing well? And, and the goal really comes back to instead of the external look of the movements, really the feeling of being connected and the meditative aspect of, of turning inward and going inside and really reflecting and, and using that time really for yourself to, to have some space and, and to really create some space for yourself in your life. Yeah. And if we really want to begin to change our lifestyle and our, our diet in particular, which I know a lot of people struggle with changing the way that they eat. And I love how you always start with going within because it just makes it uh, so much easier. I want to go back to something else that you said that I think is worth bringing up again. You talked about the way that you view yoga. It's about noticing how you feel and being okay with how you feel. And one of the reasons I love the work you do is it ties in so well with the work I do with tapping, Mm -hmm. which is really a similar concept of being able to notice those emotions and being okay. Because you said before, one of the reasons that you were creating all these rules for yourself was to avoid feeling that pain from that past experience. And when we create rules to avoid that pain, we're also avoiding joy. We are stopping ourselves from uh, being able to really feel anything. We shut ourselves down. So how do you view those negative emotions? You know, how do you approach them? Do you approach them as, because a lot of people think like, I just want to ignore them, but do you think it's really important to have moments of moving through them or sitting with them and, and not shaming ourselves for them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it can be really scary. I mean, I know just from my own personal experience, I, I shut that out forever, and I, I wasn't even aware that I was doing it, you know. So it was something that was just that's so scary that I'm not even mentally acknowledging that it is scary, and I'm just going to go, like, really far away from myself. But I think, you know, on a day-to-day basis when things come up that are scary, you know, we can even notice, oh, my gosh, like, this is really stressing me out, or I'm feeling this is a really dark place inside of myself, and 
and then I want to run away. But I think, you know, if we can have the courage to, to just be with ourselves through that, you know, it's just like, it's just like an emotion of, of happiness and joy, you know, you go up and then it kind of settles and, and then the, the darker emotions can, you know, kind of go down and then kind of settle. But, but if you don't allow yourself to kind of go through and, and to, to be in that space and experience it, then, um, and I think you're really missing out. I know for myself, I'd be missing out on a lot of room for growth and a lot of room for, you know, just understanding, uh, who I am and, 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 and what are the actions that I can do to improve myself and improve my time here and, you know, be a better service to myself, my family, my friends, and, and other people. And if we don't go into those, um, you know, more fearful emotions, then um, then we sort of, you know, we stop our progress in a way. And that's really, um, really, I think, a shame because we can, you know, we all can do so much in this, on this world. And if we're, you know, just, just not going there, then, then we're just, you know, we're not going to many places, not just the bad places, but, you know, we're missing all of the, all of the joy, like you said, and all of the beauty on the other side. And we're just, we're just here where we are today. It's almost like not opening a door or not, you know, getting on an airplane and traveling or not, you know, going over to a friend's house because, you you know, you just want to sit at home tonight and watch TV. But it, I think it really is those that same sort of um, idea of, you know, you just got to you just got to go there and then you don't know what's going to happen, but you know that something something really valuable is going to happen. Right. And one of the things I love about yoga and I tend to do just a few poses before going to bed and before I actually do a few poses and then I meditate and tap. And it's almost like I don't even know how I'm feeling until I begin to move my body. And then it's like, I have this ability to check in um, and and be able to support myself. I mean, one of my favorite stories that has to do with the two of us, and it wasn't like a happy story when it happened, but (laughs) you probably remember this. I went to one of your yoga classes. I had just gone through a breakup. I thought I was fine. I was like, I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Like, like, this is good. I feel empowered. (laughs) I made the right decision and I get to your yoga class and I'm in downward dog and I just start just, there was just snot everywhere. I just started (laughs) crying because when I started moving through the poses and I started to feel my body, I began to experience the sadness that even me, the, you know, the expert of tapping and emotional freedom, I was even denying them myself and not realizing it. And I remember I started going through the poses and and it got to the point where I was like, I need a tissue because I'm getting snot all over my mat. (laughs) And I, and I walked, I like snuck out of the yoga class, grabbed a tissue, blew my nose. I walked in and you just looked at me with just the best smile. Like (laughs) you go girl, like you, you cry it out. Like, and, and I thought it was so just that smile to me really touched me. And it was a great reminder of we don't have to be so mean to ourselves and create all these rules about how we have to feel all the time. You know, we even yeah. create rules around having to be happy all the time. Right. You know, it's, it's ridiculous to expect yourself to just always be, you know, a ball of sunshine. I mean, that can, that can be not realistic and also just, you know, it's just phony sometimes, you know, but yeah, when that happened, I was like, something's happening and it's awesome. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just cool. Cause I, you know, I, I think like, you know, especially when, you know, something happened like that to you, it's, it's, it's brave for other people around if they notice what's happening, you know, it's like, you know, it, it just, it creates space for so much great things to happen through and on the other side. And, you know, I think for, for people that are sort of, you know, in that space of, I have to shove this down, I have to shove this down, I can't look at this, it's too scary, it's too dark, then, you know, you are just missing out on all that good stuff too, as if you were, you know, it's a lot easier to walk into a happy situation. But if you kind of, you know, like you just did, you're like, okay, this is happening, I didn't see it coming, I'm going with it. Right. <laughs> it awesome, you know, cause yeah. it can be like those surprise, you know, those surprise storms when you're when you're walking down the street one day and all of a sudden it starts pouring rain and you got to just walk home. You got to get home somehow. Yeah, exactly. One thing I I hear you say a lot is make space. And you mentioned it before that when we don't allow ourselves to feel these feelings and to check in with our body, we don't create the space to grow and to expand. What does space mean to you? Oh my gosh. Well, I think it always just felt um, like a natural concept within all of this, this work with the meditation and just, just diving into emotional state and and, and physicality and, and just the the physical practice of, 
you know, taking a big inhale and allowing room to open up in your body physically, emotionally, and all of that, and moving your body upward or outward, and then taking a long, big exhale, and then allowing that that momentum to take you to a new place. I mean, it's just always felt so natural with movement, really letting the breath be the fuel for your body, and then and then the body can really just go along for the ride, and things become so much easier within that concept of space, you know, and I, I, mm-hmm. I think growing up, it was always fun for me to play around with the breath and the movement and then, you know, getting into yoga and seeing, uh, seeing people struggle sometimes with the breath. I think you may have to hold the poses and, it, and it's so tough and challenging. And, you know, if they really allow themselves just to breathe and let the breath kind of be that oceanic fuel for the body, then the body doesn't have to really have much effort. I mean, you're exerting effort, but it's not tense. It's easy and you're going to get a lot more done with a lot less effort. And, and that just feels really great and freeing emotionally. It really creates all this, you know, this emotional room and space, you know, every, you know, inhale with the breath and with the body, you know, at least in, you know, my experience and everybody I I talk to about this stuff is it's a similar kind of thing. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going in, I'm opening the door. And then every exhale is like, oh, wow, I'm here. I'm in this new space. I don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm choosing to be here, <laughs> you know, right. and then just kind of repeating that process and knowing with the breath and with that idea of creating space that the space that you're walking into has, you know, limitless possibilities. It feels expansive. It feels open and free and, you know, with a lot of room for exploration. And it, it is this big, giant, open um, experience when you can just let yourself kind of go with that breath and, and be there. So I think this, you know, this concept of creating space is, it's, um, it, fe- it should feel really good for people. And then, you know, leaving that emotional, um, space as well for, for our minds to have that space without being, you know, stressed out about every little thing in life. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, I, one of the reasons that we create so many rules for ourselves is because we're searching for certainty, you know, we feel like if we create these rules, we can hold on to them and, and somehow feel uh, more certain in our lives. And the, and the downside of space, if I can be the devil's advocate for a moment, like the only thing that I think sometimes scares people about space is that uncertainty. Because when you have space, you're open to the possibility, but you also tend to have this moment of the unknown. And we can either be in awe of the unknown and the limitless possibilities, or it can frighten us. Do you have any advice? any advice around that? And do you, do you experience, I mean, do you, do you, is what I'm saying resonating with you? Do you feel kind of similar that people sometimes struggle with that idea of space because of the uncertainty? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have people come in all the time to the studio and I'm like, you know, be easy and go with it. And they just look at me like, what, why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I'm going to do it like this. And this is what I always get. And I always get this. And then I don't care. It's a little bit stressful, but it's fine. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then they come back the next day and they're like, okay, teach me how to be easy. (laughs) I'm like, like, I'll just show you how to do it because you, you totally got it. You know, it's, it's one thing if, you know, if you, if you create those rules, you create that structure, the best thing that you can possibly get is your best idea of that result. And that's, that's the top, that's it. And it's, and it's, you may pretty much always fall short because you're, you're only reaching for that one thing. You don't even know what's beyond that. And the neat thing is, and you know, I've seen it happen so much in people's lives at the studio and then just physically as well. It's, it's neat because it really happens, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. And then I don't even know sometimes what these people's lives are about. And they come to me and they say, wow, I've been you know, working with this concept of, you know, creating space with moving with ease in my body. And guess what? Like I got that raise or I, I switched jobs or, you know, I, I got in this great relationship or all of these amazing things are just happening. Whereas when I was, you know, not doing this kind of practice in my life, I felt more tense. I felt more closed off and, you know, what things weren't happening in my life. So, um, Right. So I think this idea of, you know, moving with ease and creating this space, really, it opens up the possibilities for all the good things that may be already coming your way, but you're not looking at them because you're focused on, on your rule and it doesn't fit into your rule. So, so it just, it takes away the concepts of, you know, having this box for yourself and, you know, you can still go back and, and, and reach that goal, but, but with this idea of going into the unknown and possibilities, you know, you're much more likely to reach that goal and go 10 times past it in a lot less time with a lot less effort. <laughs> right. Really fun. Right. Well, I want to shift in and stay on this concept, but begin to explore diet and food. Because when someone thinks about a diet, they tend to think of this really a lot of rules being in this box. And a lot of us are, you know, I, 
jumping from one diet to another. And one of the things that I always teach, which is the reason I want to have you on the show, is this idea of beginning to listen to ourselves as our own experts. I know it's a challenge for many. Can you tell us a bit about uh, listening to our bodies and, and beginning to explore the kind of foods that are best for us? Sure. Yeah, I think it is like a really interesting and fun concept. And I know, um, you know, just through watching people move and, and hearing stories over the years of, you know, the, the, the cool things that we figure out about ourselves aren't from, you know, analyzing what we think we might do in the yoga practice today. It's more about, oh, wow, I got on my mat today. And then I really noticed something about myself once I got going, you know, mm-hmm. like when you said yeah. like, wow, I didn't, I didn't notice that I was even, that was bubbling up inside of me until I, until I really stepped in and, and got myself moving. So same thing with the kitchen, you know, like I noticed myself over the years and, and friends and just having a food blog for a long time, you know, getting in and experimenting and, you know, maybe starting with something familiar and then saying, oh, I really like these spices or, you know, the, just because this recipe says this doesn't mean that that's, you know, going to work for me and my family. I want to try adding a little bit of this or I've never played with this vegetable before. And, you know, it, it may seem a little bit loosey-goosey, but when you really you know, sort of get interested and sort of throw yourself in and get involved, you know, you, you naturally become more of an expert over time by just playing around. I mean, I look at all the, you know, the cool chefs that I admire getting to go around the W hotels and hang out in the kitchens and watch them do their thing. And they're playing, you know, they're, they're experimenting, they're having a lot of fun. And, you know, I jump in and I show them my thing and they're like, Oh, wow, like you're really good at this. And, you know, like, well, I just experiment. You know, like I, I'm not like a, you know, a, a ready to chef a whole, uh, you know, whole restaurant <laughs> or something like that. But, but it is the sense, it's the same sense of adventure that um, I think it's this concept that applies to yoga and meditation and, you know, wherever you want to take it in your life with your, you know, your career, your family and all this stuff. It's just, it's really this far reaching concept of, of getting involved and, and getting in there and getting on your yoga mat and on your meditation cushion and getting in your kitchen and, you know, starting with, um, some good stuff and, and seeing where seeing where you take it. You know, everybody becomes um, more creative in the process than, than sort of outside and thinking about the process. You know, you have to participate in order for anything to happen. You have to participate in order for anything to happen. <laughs> it's a really important point because a lot of us wait to participate until we know everything. <laughs> we want, exactly. we want, and then, and we never know everything ever. So then we just tend to hold ourselves back instead of allowing ourselves to take a step into the unknown and learn as we go along. When it comes to food, uh, one of the biggest stressors for many is this idea of, of food and weight loss and the idea that in order to have a good diet, we need to be counting calories. This is something that you don't do. Why do you think this is an, an outdated and ineffective strategy? Oh, gosh. Well, I think, you know, for for the mental reasons of just the pure stress of, oh, my gosh, here's my calories. This is where it sits on my plate. And I can only eat that today. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, driving and looking at the rock on the road, you're going to hit the rock, you know, right. you the rock, but you're still looking at it. So I think just from that perspective, it causes so much stress, which, you know, all we all know from being you know, mind, body, you know, people that just, you know, love paying attention to how we feel that that feels terrible and whatever we are going to actually put in, if it is that, you know, restrictive calorie count, then it, it might not even do its job as well when it's in our bodies and, and, you know, digesting and, and getting in there and, you know, we can eat perfectly healthy and still get sick if we're stressed out. So I think from one perspective, the, the stress component is that, you know, can be a total, you know, crazy nightmare for a lot of people. And then another perspective, you know, all of our bodies are different depending on, you know, what we're doing every day, what we need every day, and then really putting the putting the authority back on ourselves to, you know, knowing generally what works for us. I mean, I think we all know, you know, how big a portion size should be for ourselves, you know, when we actually have had, you know, a sufficient amount to eat when we feel good, you know, when we're sort of overeating and just mindless eating and all of that. But I really think I really think the hidden secret there is, is in getting sensitized to how we feel. And, you know, once we do that, you know, we're all set. I mean, the animals out there climbing trees and the tigers and the monkeys, they're not on diets. <laughs> <laughs> right. They've got it figured out. You know, right. Because they're tapped into how they feel. Yeah, I, I, you know, we, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <I'm> excited. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I just, I love that we keep going back to this concept of are we allowing ourselves to be with our feelings? Do we know how we feel? And the only way we know how we feel is to take that time to be 
present with ourselves, whether it's doing the meditation or yoga or tapping, but having that present moment experience uh, instead of feeling so scared to feel things that we become numb to everything. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's almost a radical concept. I mean, hopefully in five, 10 years, it won't be, and, you know, we'll, we'll be sort of, you know, shifted to this idea of, oh, yeah, of course, you know, we have to follow how we feel and everybody's different and unique. And, you know, that's what I love about having the studio in New York and, and, and with this scheme of following how we feel and, and celebrating diversity and all that. Everybody, everybody really is different and looks different. And, you know, nobody's trying to be like somebody else. And, and that's, you know, that's celebrated and just being in that, you know, sort of community and, and being in this community with like you and all the, you know, our online um, people that we talk to and, and communicate with every day back and forth. It really is the support system of, you know, being there for each other and, and, and you know, reminding each other because it is a process of, hey, it's okay to follow how you feel and, you know, checking in with each other. I mean, like, you know, you and I, like, go for walks all the time. Like, how are you feeling? You know, and it's right. okay if, like, things aren't great today or, you know, something's gone wrong or it's not always like, oh, I just want to hear about all the good stuff and or, or I just want to hear about the bad stuff, you know, wallowing in that too. It's more just, you know, I think in these um, situations, just just knowing that it's that it's all okay to sort of go through that and, you know, sort of get to the other side and see what's over there. Right. I love talking about this because I think it's so important for everyone to realize that that there isn't anyone that's perfect. And this whole idea of being perfect is one big, ugly rule. Um, it's actually many rules that we put on ourselves and we feel limited. And so there really is such a freedom to begin to allow ourselves to feel all of these different feelings. Now, what I do notice is that the more I learned how to honor all of my feelings, the more good feelings that I had and the easier it was to begin to listen to my own inner expert, which, you know, in the past was something I didn't even know what that meant. People were like, trust your intuition. I'm like, where do I buy this thing called intuition? Where do you pick it up? Because I don't hear anything. And through through work, I began to realize, I began to listen to that voice. And I think we all, at some level, when we're quiet, we we recognize that voice. And still there are times when we hear that voice and we don't listen to it. And maybe we do something that has a negative consequence or we just eat something that's not the best for us or we just find ourselves in a rut. In those moments when you feel like you veered a bit off course, what's your strategy to get yourself back to a place of feeling centered and strong? Oh, gosh. I mean, that's a big one because, you know, I think I think one of the cool things that I love about this is 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 knowing that we're not and there is no reason to be, you know, quote unquote, perfect or I'm the perfect you know, make my own rules. Yeah, yeah. I'm perfect at not having own, any rules. Rule, yeah, <laughs> my own rule free path all the time. But but yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing I know we have this in common is just being being easy on ourselves and, and just knowing that it's okay and, and knowing that it is a process, you know, whenever we fall off, whether it's with, you know, food or, you know, a, a different decision or a different sort of phase in our lives and just, just you know, taking the time to acknowledge what's happening and to, to get back involved with getting into the practice of getting on the yoga mat and getting, um, getting, you know, on the meditation cushion and, you know, getting tapping and all of these great tools that we, we have at our access, you know, access to, and, you know, just, just getting involved with them to, to start to come back because, you know, I think it's really tricky when you've fallen off. It's, it's really hard to just be like, okay, boom, I'm back. But to get into that process of, okay, I'm back in the process of coming back and I'm not coming back, but I'm coming to a new place of understanding where I've learned another lesson and, and here I am on this new journey. But, you know, I think just getting back into that practice and getting back involved with, you know, all those tools is, uh, is um, you know, a good start. Right. So having your go-to practice. Tara, what advice do you have for someone who is interested in yoga, but they also feel a bit intimidated? Oh, sure. I mean, this is why I started everything that, that I started. I mean, I started making YouTube videos in 2006 because my friends back home were like, yoga, like, what is that? That's crazy. And, you know, they were you know on prescription pills at a young age for all kinds of different problems and, you know, eating junk food and just, just really starting those early stages of getting disconnected, you know, after high school and all of that. And I said, you know, okay, I'm going to do these routines like, you know, yoga you can do on the couch and yoga for jocks and yoga for hangovers and all these you know, things to get people interested. So now there's, you know, if you don't like my yoga videos on YouTube, there's loads and loads of um, free content out there with yoga and, 
Um, I've got I've got tons of uh, tons of stuff on the website and on YouTube now, like you know, longer content and and you know you can search you know yoga for beginners, yoga for stress, you know, yoga for ten minutes, something in the morning. You know, I've really sort of made it my um one of my missions to to make this practice really something that anybody can pick up and do, you know, without even having to have access to you know walking into a yoga studio or walking even into a gym. I love that. I've said this before on the radio show, but I look at finding the good yoga practice as like dating. You know, like sometimes <laughs> you get lucky and you go on one date and you're like, this is awesome. Other times you're like, you know what? I'm just not into the guy. So you just have to date someone else and you have to experiment to find your match. So it's, you know, sometimes someone has one experience with yoga and they go, oh, I don't like it. I don't like yoga. It's like being like, I don't like women. I went on one bad date and I just don't like them. You know, so I think it's so important to not have the rules, to be open, to have that space to explore what works for you. And I love how you have such a variety when it comes to yoga, that even within one instructor, you can find the best fit and go with that, that flow, do what feels right. Tara, I want to talk. (laughs) Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you're right on with that. Right on. Right. Thank you. So I want to talk more about food because this book is so beautiful. And one of the reasons that I also love this book is I am not a good cook. I'm, I'm, no, that's a limiting belief. I am a growing cook. <laughs> I am expanding <laughs> in my cooking abilities. I've but been I, over your house for dinner before. You got it going on. I, yeah, I've been working on it. Exactly. You're right. That's an old limiting belief. You have I, a spiralizer. <laughs> I do have a spiralizer. Out your, uh, your radio audience and, and tell, tell them that you have a spiralizer. Yeah. Ex- and if someone is a fantastic cook. <laughs> and if someone doesn't know what a spiralizer is, it's like, if you can't have, see, I have a gluten intolerance. So I have this thing that you put zucchini and it spirals your zucchini into spaghetti, like, you know, into this pasta and, uh, to these swirls and it's just delicious. So it's yes, fancy. you're right. I, I have been, I've been working on my cooking. I'm getting better and better. And when I first, I used to always say that I was a bad cook and I was just completely scared. I would just look at a cookbook and feel completely just out of my element and overwhelmed. And I'd look at all the ingredients and I felt like I couldn't pronounce half of them. And what was really, what's really great about your book and the kind of cooking I'm attracted to is cooking that is simple. And what I've realized is the simple cooking, it's delicious. You know, simple doesn't mean boring. And so I love the way that in this cookbook, a lot of the recipes just have a few ingredients. And when I had you over for dinner, you brought a mac and cheese, which was so good. And it was vegan. And no, was it vegan? It was gluten-free. Yeah, I think it was yep. gluten-free and vegan, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Cashew sauce with Dijon mustard. And you can put whatever you want in it, which is great. You can put hot sauce or not. You can do curry powder. You know, you just put it in the blender and put it over, you know, acorn um, squash or spaghetti squash. Or you can use pasta or you can use gluten-free pasta. And then whatever vegetables you like, mushrooms, broccoli, mushrooms give it that really kind of like flavorful, hearty taste and just pop it in the oven 20 minutes and you have this really gourmet-ish kind of thing that is super simple. Yeah, I'm not even going to lie. I ate it for, I ate the leftovers for breakfast. I'm like, I'm not even going to wait for lunch. It's nine o'clock. I'm eating these right now. Yeah, it's it's super healthy. It's super good. Yeah. And it's, and that's the thing that's great is that healthy doesn't have to be boring. What are some of the other recipes um, that that you really enjoy that you can share with us? Some simple ones. Well, they're all actually pretty simple, but. (laughs) They're all so simple. I mean, in the beginning, I thought, you know, what business do I have? putting these recipes into an actual book, you know, they're, they're really ridiculously simple, you know, and, and, um, you know, people would start to taste something like, oh my gosh, what's in this? This is amazing. Like it's a banana, spinach, and almond milk. I call it the green dream. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and now it's on the menus at a lot of the W hotels and they're like, this is the green dream. It's so fabulous, you know, and people think it's got, you know, 10 ingredients and the magic fairy dust in it. It's literally a banana, spinach, and almond milk. And because of the, you know, the combinations and simplicity and, you know, you feel like hearty because you eating the banana and energized because of the, you know, the other two, spinach and the almond milk, and, and you're all set. But, um, you know, there's some in there. Um, there's a smoothie that tastes like a strawberry shortcake. I call it the strawberry shortcake smoothie. Very simple. <laughs> really simple. It's just the cashews, 
strawberries, almond milk. You can use whatever kind of, you know, if you like cashew or soy, whatever, a little vanilla extract and a little cinnamon, and it tastes like a strawberry shortcake. Incredible. So can you, and, uh, This my favorite is the Thin Mints Girl Scout smoothie, because we all know Thin Mints <laughs> are the best, oh my God, um, but not the best, best for us. So yeah. <laughs> tell us about this smoothie. Yeah, this one is good. My dad visited recently, and he was obsessed with all the Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies, as you know, as all of us were. So I gave him the smoothie, and he was like, oh, my gosh, it actually, you know, I don't want a cookie after I drink this. It's amazing. So it's it's literally a frozen banana, um, some dark chocolate. You can use a little bit of peppermint extract, a little vanilla extract, and um, and that's pretty much it. And there you so go. Good. And it literally tastes like a Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> That's so yeah, so good. And um, another one that I really like is the uh, the roasted acorn squash soup. Oh my That's gosh, amazing! Again, so easy. I mean, I have this I have this um, secret with soups to make them creamy. I mean, after you saute the onions and the garlic, whenever you like, you know, with with any of the roasted um, vegetables, you know, sticking that in, in the oven, and then you feel really gourmet when you're taking out and peeling away the the layers of that, and then <laughs> cooking that down and you know, again, putting, I love to put in whatever spices like curry powders and, and turmeric and ginger, and you can really kind of get creative with whatever, whatever you have around. Um, but then the really, the really creamy, delicious secret that makes it incredible is um, after you cook it down for about 10, 15 minutes and, and it really kind of gets, gets all creamy and yummy, adding a little bit of coconut milk and it makes it so decadent, like one of these soups you'd have in like a really fancy restaurant for like, you know, like a $35 soup or something. Right, right. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, so I've like served this like friends and family and they, you know, they think it's like something incredibly fancy. I'm like, nope, it's just uh, acorn squash and a little coconut milk. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that is amazing. I'm, I'm also really curious, this is just popping up in my mind, mornings, when it comes to your morning how do you start your morning? What is it that you do and what is it that you eat? Oh gosh. Well, usually if I'm in New York, I feel pretty lucky and spoiled because I get to, you know, get up and I'll be at the studio at 8 a.m. for the class if I'm either leading it or I get to like pop in and take it too. So, so that's a nice, a nice way to ease into the day if I don't have something else scheduled. But, um, but I'll have, um, I'm trying to like not drink as much coffee, which is, you know, sort of working out. I'm in my own rule breaking process. <laughs> so sometimes I'll have a little bit of coffee, but sometimes if I'm, if I'm, you know, uh, if I'm, if I'm breaking that rule that day, you know, having just the, the, the green dream smoothie, like a spinach, banana and almond milk is great. Or, um, or I'll make a big batch of, of homemade granola for the week and then have, you know, have a bowl of that before, before being at the studio. So I know if I'm just waking up, you know, at 6 a.m. and having some time for myself to maybe do a little bit of, you know, stretching out at home and just sometimes just chill and be easy and to, to make a little bit of breakfast. Or sometimes if I get up early and feel really energized, I'll have um, avocado toast with a little um, hot peppers on top and, and maybe some, some roasted red peppers and just kind of get all fancy there and, and, and have a more of a hearty meal. But, but that'll be how I start the day. Right. And I love that because it sounds to me that it can vary day by day, depending on just how you feel. Oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes I'm coming back from, you know, traveling and I wake up and I'm, you know, extra hungry because I was on like a plane for the last 12 hours, you know, <laughs> sleeping or something crazy. Or maybe it's, you know, a day where I've, you know, I hadn't had enough sleep and I need to just, you know, get up and have something really simple, like a smoothie just to kind of get my body going. So, so I think for myself, just you know, keeping that flexibility, like having a, uh, you know, a few things that I that I love to go to that I always have around that I can pick from in the house. You know, depending on how I feel and and what I feel like my body needs for that for that moment or that morning is, you know, I think a, a valuable thing rather than just you know every day I do this and every morning I eat this and and that's sort of it. That would I don't think that would really work for me. Right. Well, this is why, again, I love this book and the 50 recipes, because when you know how simple it is to make certain foods, then it becomes it becomes a habit, it becomes simple. If suddenly eating healthy is this really time-consuming, uh, difficult thing, we just, it's hard. You know, we're all really busy. So it's so much easier to kind of create that space when we're able to do something that's so easy that doesn't take that much space or time. Exactly. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's ridiculously simple. And I think you know, that's what, you know, I think one of the reasons where well, we're friends for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> also like just connecting on, on the work that you do, it's like, you know, okay, things are going on, things are going on. I'm going to stop and I'm going to do the tapping, check in with myself. You know, it's, it's the same, it's the same message of just, you know, having these simple tools and, 
and getting involved and, and treating it as a practice instead of an end goal and an end game. And I think when you treat it as a practice and, and just know that that word actually means a process of of growing, you know, we're different every day. Our body needs different things every day. Our, our emotions are different every day. You know, we, we feel completely different from day to day, you know, depending on many, many factors, you know, so just taking that into account and being easy on ourselves in the process and just getting involved with all these tools, um, you know, really, really can be powerful. Right. For sure. So what I would love to do, Tara, if you are willing, I'd love to do some tapping. Yes, please. Yes. So, you know, one of the, your biggest themes, we've talked about it in the past hour, but it's this idea of checking in and trusting ourselves. One of the reasons that it can be, we can find it difficult to trust ourselves is if we ever made a mistake in the past and we were incredibly mean to ourselves. And a lot of times we prevent ourselves from exploring and trying new things because we're actually scared of our own critical voice. We're scared that we'll, we'll try something new and be so judgmental that it will turn into a painful experience instead of coming from that place that you talk about of expansion and growth where we, we leave the judgment and we just give ourselves the space that we need. Mm-hmm. So this tapping meditation is all about learning how to begin to trust ourselves and to create that space. How's that sound? I love that. Oh my God. So everyone that's listening, please tap along. If you are new to tapping and you want to know where the tapping points are, you can go to the tappingsolution.com. Many of you are here every week, so you guys know the drill. So we are going to start to begin to tap on the karate chop point. And uh, if everyone that's listening, including Tara, please repeat after me. And before we start, let's all just take a really deep breath in. So inhale through your nose. Exhale through your mouth and just check in with your body. Notice if you have any tightness, maybe it's in your shoulders or in your chest or in your stomach. Just notice how your body feels now. And then we're going to notice how your body feels after we do this tapping meditation. So starting on the side of the hand, repeat after me, even though it doesn't feel safe to trust myself, even though it doesn't feel safe to trust myself. I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. And I'm willing to try. And I'm willing to try. Even though it doesn't feel safe to trust myself. Even though it doesn't feel safe to trust myself. Because I might make a mistake. Because I might make a mistake. I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. No matter what. No matter what. Even though it doesn't feel safe to be with my feelings. Even though it doesn't feel safe to be with my feelings. I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. And I am okay. And I am okay. Eyebrow, it doesn't feel safe to trust myself. It doesn't feel safe to trust myself. Side of the eye, I just want someone to tell me what to do. I just want someone to tell me what to do. Under the eye... All of this panic. All of this panic. Under the nose, around finding the right answer. Around finding the right answer. Chin, I want someone else to tell me what to do. I want someone else to tell me what to do. Collarbone, because every time I make a mistake. Because every time I make a mistake. Under the arm, I'm so hard on myself. I'm so hard on myself. Top of the head, all the times I didn't give myself space. All the time, I didn't give myself space. Eyebrow, all these rules I've been putting on myself. All these rules I've been putting on myself. Side of the eye, I haven't given myself room to expand. I haven't given myself room to expand. Under the eye, because of all this fear. Because of all this fear. Under the nose that I might make a mistake. That I might make a mistake. Chin, and then hear my critical voice. And then hear my critical voice. Collarbone, the voice that states all the rules. The voice that states all the rules. Under the arm, maybe that's just a voice. Maybe that's just a voice. Top of the head, it's not me. It's not me. Eyebrow, it's just a voice. It's just a voice. Side of the eye, and I can choose to listen to it or not. And I can choose to listen to it or not. Under the eye, 
Maybe I can begin to be easy on myself. Maybe I can begin to be easy on myself. Under the nose, maybe there is no right answer. Maybe there is no right answer. Chin, maybe I'm unique. Maybe I'm unique. Collarbone, maybe it's safe to experiment. Maybe it's safe to experiment. Under the arm, maybe this can be fun. Maybe this can be fun. Top of the head, relieving all this pressure. Relieving all this pressure. Around doing it right. Around doing it right. Eyebrow, and giving myself the freedom to feel. And giving myself the freedom to feel. Side of the eye, I give myself the freedom to experiment. I give myself the freedom to experiment. Under the eye, I give myself the freedom to make a mistake. I give myself the freedom to make a mistake. Under the nose, I give myself the freedom to expand. I give myself the freedom to expand. Chin, I know what's right for my body. I know what's right for my body. Collarbone, when I stop and trust myself. When I stop and trust myself. Under the arm, I'm patient with my body. I'm patient with my body. Top of the head, I'm patient with myself. I'm patient with myself. Eyebrow, it's, this is a safe space. This is a safe space. Side of the eye, because I am a space maker. Yes, I am a space maker. All right, take a deep breath in. Does everyone shake your hands, move your body a little bit? How was that, Tara? Oh my gosh! Like, (laughs) wow, that was amazing. I feel so good and scared. Thank you. And everyone that's listening, I want you just to check in with your body. Notice are your shoulders a little bit lower? Is your body a little bit more relaxed? And maybe notice what came up. Any certain thoughts? Did you think about a specific situation where you haven't been listening to yourself? Or a specific situation where you haven't been making a decision you want to make out of fear of your own critical voice or what other people will think? Because reality is, and And Tara, you know this, the more we begin to listen to ourselves, the less we care about what other people think, the stronger that inner voice becomes. It's so true. And and, and also the the more I found I've I've listened to myself, the the more people rally around to actually support that because it is a a natural, you know, thing for everybody to be unique and creative and and the more willing that people are to support you and the more willing you are to support each other. And it I think the universe is sort of rooting for us to be our own, you know, unique selves in this way and not just to to follow our fears and follow what we think we should do. It's such an important thought to hold on to anytime we have any fear that as we, you know, Marianne Williams says it so brilliantly, as we allow ourselves to shine, we give other people the permission to do the same. Uh, Tara, it's been a real joy. I'm thank you for shining so bright and inspiring us to inspiring us and, and thousands of people to shine so bright and to find their own way. Mm-hmm.